Hello and welcome to Revolution 22's Sermon Podcast. We are a church from the downtown area in Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today as we continue to learn from God's Word in the first epistle of Paul to the church in Corinth. We pray that God's Word will be received and will bear fruit in your life. You guys can grab a seat. If you have a Bible, just turn with me to 1 Corinthians. If you don't have a Bible, just slip your hands up. The ushers are more than welcome to give you one to look on. And I need you to kind of, I haven't been outside yet since earlier this morning when it was still snowing. I don't know if it is, but I need you to kind of imagine something with me. Can you remember when it's like spring and it's really beautiful and you wake up in the morning and you hear all the, the beautiful bird sounds? Like, does anyone, can everyone remember that? Like, does everyone remember what that looks like? I was reminded of that again this week when I was studying just about how, you know, it's, it's incredibly beautiful. Maybe if you have magpies, I think those are the only tone-deaf birds out there. But, like, um, if you have those, maybe you're like, I don't think it's that pretty. But, but the, the sound is just it's incredible as you hear the, the echoes going on and the, the birds. And in a way, it feels like they're communicating to each other. Well, what they're actually doing is vying for position. They're actually fighting with each other, as weird as that sounds. Like, they're... They're, most of them are males that are trying to do their little mating call, and, and they're saying, this is my branch, this is where I stand, this is my place, this is my shrub, my tree. And they're actually, they're actually fighting. Even though it sounds really pretty to us, they're fighting. Isn't it interesting how our fighting doesn't sound so pretty? Have you ever noticed that? Like when we start to fight with someone, have you ever been around a fight, like that awkward moment, like do you, do you say something? Do you, this is kind of where the fight or flight jumps in, like you either jump in with the fight and try and take a side, which probably never helps, or you run which probably doesn't help, right? Like you just try to get away from it. But there is always, there's never anything really beautiful about our fighting. Although there's one unique kind of similarity between us and the birds. See, the birds are, are fighting for position by doing it, by puffing up their chest and they're, they're trying to make the most beautiful sound. And this is basically saying like, this is my place. And I think a lot of times that's the very same thing we do in our quarrels. We just try to, to make what we're saying beautiful enough to justify the fact that we can fight with other people. We try, to, we try to hide it behind some theology, right? If we, can just gonna, if we can just pull the right scripture, we can really argue and fight this really, really well because we're, we're looking smart here and we're kind of puffing our chest up and we can even make the sound really, really, really pretty. But at the end of the day, we're just trying to, to, to vie for position and to fight. And that's the very thing that the Apostle Paul is going to dig into today in the book of Corinthians. Now, for what it's worth, the first four chapters is really what he's dealing with divisiveness in the church and some, some fighting and through a number of different things that he's going to talk about. But um, let's, let's go ahead and read it. Verse 10, chapter 1 is where we are. It says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you. My brothers, What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanas. I I love this section. I did baptize. It's like, He's just kind of like, oh, yeah, I, like, I don't know if it's Stephanus who's helping him, writing him, whatever, like, he's like, oh, by the way, don't forget you baptized me. He just kind of throws it in there. Anyways, it's like, I did baptize, by the way. Beyond that, 
I do not know whether I baptize anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And so the Apostle Paul begins, and he says, look, I, first in, in chapter 11, he says, it's Chloe's household that has been telling me of this stuff. Now, Chloe's household, we don't get a lot of information about them. Some, some argue, some scholars believe that she's a widow. Some, some say she lives in, most likely lived in Ephesus and had Chloe's people is her slaves or her, her servants or people in her household that was coming, that, that would travel frequently to, between Ephesus and Corinth doing some kind of trade there. Either way, what we know is we know that they were trustworthy enough for people to, to send their questions back to the Apostle Paul in Corinth because that's what he ends up spending a good chunk of this book talking about is answering questions that they have given him. We also know that, that ultimately like these people um, most likely were well-known in both the Corinth church and the church in Ephesus. Um, so it's a safe assumption that they were believers. Again, there's no guarantee. We can't say that with complete confidence. But it's Chloe's household that brings this information to him. And so the Apostle Paul begins with an appeal. He says, I appeal to you, brothers. Now, the Apostle Paul will use the term brothers or sisters. He'll, he'll, he'll talk about that very often. And he's usually, he's usually talking about the fact that, like, hey, we're, we're, we're peers. We're brothers. We're, we're, we have the same father. And our father is God who has adopted us through Jesus Christ. And that's, that's what he's pleading. But interestingly, the language of kinship appears way more often in the book of 1 Corinthians than it does any other book he writes. And I think because division was so rampant, was so, so ugly and so kind of prevalent in this area that the Apostle Paul continues to remind him, I'm one of you. The 18 months I spent there starting this church, planting this church, watering this church, doing these things like, I'm one of you. You are one of me. We are together. We're brothers and sisters, the same God. Don't be divided. And so he appeals. He says, he pleads. He comes out, I beg. I, I ask. I, I, I implore you. Please don't be divided. And I implore you how? By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't plead on his own name. He says, by, by the name of Jesus Christ, I appeal, I plead with you. Would you please not be divided? What was happening in this time is, is, is some sophists. It's is, is a group of people that would travel. We're going to talk extensively about them a little bit more next week. But they were really intelligent and very, very well-spoken. And so what was happening is, if you remember back when we studied a couple weeks ago about the history of Corinth and, and the people around there, this was a, a very rich area, a very wealthy area, and a, and a group of people that were very kind of saturated. What was happening to the church was it was getting saturated by the culture around it. And so the church started looking more and more like Corinth, and that wasn't a good thing. And so one of the things that was very prevalent in this day was, was this group of people that would travel. They were very brilliant, and they were very well-educated, and they were super, super great at, like, communication and all these different things. And what would happen is when one of them would come to town, it'd be like the, the symphony that came to town, and everyone would come to see this person and hear from this person and their eloquent speaking. Well, the Apostle Paul even says at the end, he says, look, I didn't come to preach the gospel with eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Another issue that maybe some people were having in Corinth, it was a very wealthy area, is the Apostle Paul refused any money from them to be paid for his position. And, and this is, again, this was a status thing. And so people that would get paid for their position would be status, and they'd be more important, and they were more valuable. And so what was happening is Apollos, who was educated after Paul in, in the way, and he's He's a very educated man. When he came and started preaching, 
the gospel in Corinth, he was doing it like a sophist would, very eloquently and very, very well spoken. And so what was happening is, is people were starting to say, man, I really, I really like this, Paul, this, this Apollos guy. Man, like, Paul was so, like, bland and so blah. And, like, I mean, he just kind of seemed dumb in the way he explained it. This Apollos, man, he's, he's rich and he's, 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 he's well-spoken and he's, his posture is just, man, he's got the right analogies, he's got the right visual aids, like, he's got the great... PowerPoint, like he was on point, right? Like Apollos had it down. Cephas now is the Aramaic name for Peter. Paul most often refers to Peter, the Apostle Peter, as Cephas. We actually don't know in history as to whether or not um, Peter made his way to Corinth. There's a pretty good chance that he did at some point, or if nothing else, his disciples did. But we figure out as the rest of this book goes on that most of the division wasn't necessarily Peter or this Christ-following group, which that was kind of a, a negative way to say I follow Christ. It wasn't this like, I'm just not going to deal with these things. I'm just going to follow this. It was a totally different group of sect that was kind of coming up in this weird way of following Christ. But those two weren't the biggest issues. The biggest issue was Apollos. Now, if you remember, what's really comical about this is the Apostle Paul was really well-educated. In fact, he was a shoe-in for the, for the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Supreme Court. Like he, was, he, was per, he had perfected the argumentative speak. He could, he could talk anyone out of anything. Like, this is who he was. But the Apostle Paul chose not to do so in Corinth. And he says, because I was afraid that if I did it that way, I would, I would lessen the power of the cross. I would dumb down the message of the cross. And so that's what's going on, this, this battle that's going on. And we're actually going to talk more about that battle over the next few weeks. I want to just kind of pause on what the Apostle Paul is trying to deal with here today. And that is that ultimately... There is fighting, like birds. There's these birds that are vying for position. And what's really comical is Apollos and Paul and Cephas aren't actually fighting each other. It's the people that are following them that are doing it. Like the Apostle Paul speaks very well of Paulus all the way through. He talks about his peer. He even urges him to head back to Corinth. Like, like he has no, no qualms with him. So the arguments and the fight are the people that are trying to pit these different people together. Does it sound like anything you've ever experienced in your life? You know, what's sad to me is that this little, this little battle that's going on, the Apostle Paul began with his, his teaching saying, look, the beginning of this letter is like, the church of God, this is the church of God. The Corinth church is no different than the church in Ephesus or the church in Rome. This is the church of God. It's one church. There's one God. It's one Jesus Christ, one baptism, one spirit, one truth. Yet you guys have lost it and you've gotten yourself divided. You've divided over silly things. And honestly, this is what you see in most of the church today. There's not, a, in fact, I, I mean, as sad as it is to see what's happening in Corinth and what the Apostle Paul is trying to, to, to speak into with this letter, I would say it's worse today in our church. There's more divisions today than there are classes to divide into. I mean, I, I think about it. Like, like some of you are here today at this church because you've divided from another church. You, you, you found yourself in this, in this spot of, of division. Now, look, there's, there are biblical reasons and great reasons to step out of churches, and they can be done really, really beautifully, but it's always, it's rarely done with a heart of humility and a heart of unity. And the Apostle Paul here is, is literally, he just speaks in this. He's like, look, may there be no divisions. He doesn't say, may there be some divisions among you. He says, may there be no divisions among you, none. So 
So what do we do with that as a church? Well, I think we have to acknowledge the fact that there's a few things. One is we, because of our technology age and because of where we are today, we are, like we have at our fingertips so many brilliant people. And, and it's funny, like I've heard so many people divide over podcasts, right? Well, you listen to that person? Well, I listen to this person. He's so much smarter, right? Like it's like, and they start arguing the same things and they're doing like, oh, you follow Paul? I follow Paul. Seriously, it's so much better. And, and it's, literally, it's literally 2 Timothy 4.3, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine, instead to suit their own desires. Hear this, guys. This is the Apostle Paul. Instead to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Man, if there was ever a scripture that was true of our people today, that is it. We don't say it that way. No, no. We just say, oh, I prefer a a little bit more liturgical style. Or no, I just, you know, I, I prefer, you know, uh, I'd rather be on a Calvinist side or an Arminius side. We, we have all kinds of really great theologies that help us to understand who God is and to know him better and to follow him um, and to bring him more glory, but we get stuck in him. And we lose sight of the fact that we are not to be divided. Now hear me on this, please hear me on this. It is a wonderful thing to study God's word and to want to understand more and to learn, and to get to know God in that fancy and beautiful way. But it is not meant to divide. Now, there are going to be times when you're going to understand something that there may be someone else that isn't there yet. It's not your job to say, okay, well, I'm smarter and better than you. It's your job to disciple them, to lovingly walk with them, and to say, hey, I want to I help you understand this, and this is why this is important. This is why we're doing this. And there are definitely many, many churches, and, and I understand it, people that would be like, I don't believe what this church believes in this way, and I don't think the scriptures are true. And that's, that's, that's fine. That's okay. Like, my, my point is this, is that we're not to divide. They're preaching Christ. If Christ is it, and this is what the apostle says, he answers, he pulls out these silly questions. Did, did Paul die for your sins? Like, was I crucified for you? Like, he's, he's literally like making a sarcastic joke right there. Like, wait, were you baptized in my name? No. Those are all resounding no's in case you're wondering. If you're like, well, that's a really interesting question. Like, no. <laughs> Those are all no's. And he ends it with, is Christ divided? No, Christ is not divided. How dare we divide him then? These are all resounding no's. Christ is not divided. Our divisions come from us and our pride and our unwillingness to be gracious and truthful, and ultimately to be submitted to God's word. There is a truth. There is the truth, and it's Jesus Christ. That will divide. That will divide. That will cut. The scriptures are very clear about that, but that's it. Outside of that, the Apostle Paul is saying, what are you guys doing? You're getting so wrapped up in, in, in how and how this works, or these things. He, he brings up baptism, which is a big, huge part of the early church. And he says, look, ultimately it is valuable, but it's not as central as the cross. That's the most important thing. Baptism, is, is, it comes underneath this, but, but the most important thing is Jesus Christ and the cross. He says, don't lose sight of that. Don't miss it. Stop dividing According to 1 Corinthians 1 through 4, the whole chapters, the cross signals the end of the world's puny power, arrogant boasting, fancy talk, shallow wisdom, and the like. That's what the cross does for us in the first four chapters of Corinthians. 
The Corinthians' pride is what led them to the division in the church. And it's Christian humility, the lowering of yourself before others of equal or lower social status that is the solution. This is why I said, I wrote down this way. This is not surprising that Paul repeatedly champions the undeserved favor and kindness of God to deflate their pride through this whole letter. Climaxing, hear this, climaxing in two piercing questions the Apostle Paul asks in chapter 4, verse 7. What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you did not? The Apostle Paul is saying, look, everything you have, all your understanding, all wisdom, impure and undefiled wisdom, comes from the Lord. It's not yours. It's given to you from God. So why would you boast about it? Why would you fight about it? Why would you quarrel about it? Why would you divide because of it? And the church, guys, today, man, we got a lot of really pretty birds with a lot of puffed up chests making a lot of pretty noise. At the end of the day, we're all just yelling as loud as we can from our branch, saying, it's my branch, my way. And this is what the, Paul is saying, this is what the Apostle Paul is saying, like, look, that this, this shouldn't happen. Christ isn't divided, so why would you be divided? So let me pose this question to you real quickly. Some of you in here today, you, you have tried to divide the church of Christ in this valley. Let me, just, let me just say that, okay? Maybe unintentionally, maybe you're now hearing this, you're, like, you're not out necessarily to do it that way, but you've tried to divide the church unintentionally. And I, I, I've had this happen to me. It's pretty comical. I spend a lot of time with a ton of pastors in this valley personally. And so it's really funny. Someone will come like, oh, yeah, I used to go to church. I really didn't like it. It's like, oh, yeah, so-and-so, I'm a good friend with them. You can always see them. They kind of go, Ooh. like that pucker, like, oh, what did I say? Am I going to get in trouble? As if we're in combat with each other. As if I'm like, oh, yeah, well, he's, in, you know, he's on that side of the track, so you know what? Like, there's none of that. Yes, I have plenty of brothers that I love that pastor great churches that we would do things differently, but we celebrate those differences because the similarity is in Christ, and Christ is not divided. The church is not to be divided. Does every church have it perfect? No. Do we have it perfect? Absolutely not. But we've got to stop pitting each other against each other. Now, let me tell you how this sneaks in. This is a weird thing. This is, this is, I think, this is similar to the Corinth culture being affected into the church in Corinth. I think this is the American culture that's affected into the church. This is how it happens. It starts with a, I really love my church mentality. I really love what God's doing here. That's kind of how it starts. And then pretty soon it's like, I really love what Rev's doing. And then pretty school, it's like, well, at Rev, what we do, or at Revolution 22, what we do, and what you end up doing is you end up celebrating the name of our small C church as opposed to the name that it's about. And then unintentionally, you start dividing yourself from other churches. Oh, you guys don't do it that way? Well, we do it this way. And it just sneaks its way in so, so cleverly, as if the enemy who's been roaming this earth for a long time has had a lot of practice at it. And it just sneaks into us, and we become divided. And we become these people that, that would rather, instead of celebrating what God is doing for his name throughout this valley, we only want to celebrate our little small C church as if we're on our own. And we're not. There's, there's no place for it. There's no room for it. And so let me just say this. Now, I understand in a room this size, I can guarantee there's a bunch of you in here that have been hurt by another small C church. You've been deeply hurt wounded by another small c church don't sit on that i will 
gladly go meet with you and that pastor and walk towards reconciliation. I will take all of my weeks to make sure that that happens. And you may still feel like you are supposed to be in different spots, then be in different spots. That's totally fine. But it's really fun to run into someone that's a brother in Christ in public and not feel like you need to hide from them. But embrace them because of your differences. So I won't, I won't say that you haven't been hurt, and I won't say that that hurt isn't justifiable, but what's wrong with it is if you just let it fester and you let yourself start writing doctrine around that hurt or you let yourself kind of just run, and what you do is you start kind of secting yourself and pulling up this faction, and pretty soon, if you're not careful, you'll be celebrating whatever this faction is and not Christ. So I want to acknowledge that. Secondly, the thing that um, I think happens here, and this is, I just wrote a, a few things. There's probably a million more. This is not exactly a, a clear science in it, but um, if, the, if the focus of Christian proclamation, proclamation must be like clearly centered on the, the message of the crucifixion and nothing else, like the message of Jesus Christ and that's it, then there's going to be these other things, these other ologies or isms that you're going to study and you're going to wrestle with and you're going to like, how does this fit into there? And that's a really, really good thing. But I want to help you understand as to whether or not you're, you're studying that word as a desire that's infused or affected by culture as if you're studying that word for Christ. And let me just tell you how that works. If, if you're studying God's word or trying to understand God's word and it's, it's leading you to a faction over Christ, you're, you're, you're being affected by culture and you're going the wrong way. If you are following a blog post or a group of people as opposed to Christ in this, you might be going the wrong way. If you um, allow the differences that you believe that you start to see in Scripture to give you excuse to treat someone poorly, you're not, you're not really studying God's Word to glorify Christ. I mean, let me be really clear on this, okay? Jesus said things like, eat my blood, or eat, drink my blood and eat my flesh to people. Not a real popular statement, Okay? People were like, whoa, this got real, real fast, right? And they were like, I don't know if I can handle that. And it's a bunch, bunch left. So Jesus is not afraid of bringing up truth. I'm not saying that. But Jesus never once used his truth as an excuse to treat someone poorly. Ever. He was full of grace. And even when he told the, the, the Pharisees that they're brood of vipers, he did so without sinning, okay? So if you can figure out how to do that, great. Go for it, okay? But let's just, just, let's just go ahead and assume that maybe he knows how to do that and we don't. But Jesus, is, he, he, was, he was capable of cutting right through to the truth of someone's heart. And so if you're using your belief like, oh, well, you believe that about baptism, huh? Mm, infant baptism. Mm. All right, well, I must hate you now. Like, if that's, if that's like, like where, where? Where do you see that? You proclaim Christ? Oh, great. I'm going to hate you? John says, if you hate your brother and you say you love God, you're a liar. Like, we have to settle these truths in our heart, guys. Another thing that we do, um, we tend to do, and this is kind of a, a tandem, if you are studying an ism or an ology or you're trying to understand God's word and it's removing you from accountability and authority, it's most likely you running to a faction and not God. God has placed authority over your life through the church. I don't take that lightly. I don't at all take that lightly. The elders here don't take that lightly. And I believe wholeheartedly a lot of people I pray with and work with and pastors don't take that lightly. Now, I know there are many people that have treated it lightly and have done so flippantly and hurt, but that does not negate the fact that God instituted this very thing. So if you are studying God's word and you are pushing yourself in and trying to understand God's word and it's removing you from accountability and it's, it's getting you further and further and further away from authority, 
You're doing it as a faction, and it's culture-driven, not Christ-driven. And that's just some of them. There's probably many, many other ones that I missed. But I don't want to take any more time on that. I want to talk about something else that's really easy for us to, to miss. You know, when the Apostle Paul says, I want you to be of the same mind and the same judgment, you know what he's saying? He's actually saying, I want you to say the same thing. I want you to speak the same way. Like, I follow Apollos, and I follow Cephas, and that, that language was, a, was political rhetoric. Like, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, a language of coming in, like, this is what I'm saying. He's saying, no, as, as, a, as his church, I want you to be so undivided that you actually say the same things. Now, that poses us a question. Now, it's really easy for us to talk about churches or leaderships or me or anyone else in that thought. How are you doing with individuals just inside this body? If he says that there be no divisions among you, do you think that that excludes the people sitting next to you in this room? Does that exclude your husband or your wife? Does that exclude your kids? Does that exclude your gospel community? Let there be no divisions among you. Could you imagine with me for just a second if just at this small sea extension church, just this little, little church that we are here, if we just just captured this and said, I will not let there be any divisions. And I took Paul, who said, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people, and I took it seriously. And I, I relentlessly went after anyone that I had something against. Not in a, like, attacking way of, why you, this is why I have everything against you. Instead, I went and I relentlessly pursued reconciliation. And I said, I have the peace of, of Christ in me, and for some reason, I'm not at peace with you. This does not add up. If you're a follower of Jesus and I'm a follower of Jesus, we're of one spirit. How dare we divide Christ who is not divided? So how are you doing with your brothers and sisters? Again, just like churches, I'm sure someone has deeply wounded you, and I don't ever want to make light of that. But I'm not asking what they did to you. I'm asking about your heart. And I'm, I'm pleading to you as if Paul, the Apostle Paul, sits down and pulls you in and kind of across the table, and you got your, you know, whatever coffee drink you love to drink or, you know, if you can't drink coffee, something else, right? And you're just sitting there having this conversation. He just pauses the conversation. Stop for a second. He says, whoa, hey, hey, hey. And he pulls you and he says, listen, I, I appeal to you. Let there be no divisions. None. Not one division among you. It has, there's no place in God's church for this. It, it's not meant to be divided. What if he, what if he did that with you? Right now, even as I'm talking about this, some of you right now, you're thinking about that person. Well, am I divided or not? Let me just go ahead and say, if you have to ask the question, maybe you should have a conversation. You're like, man, I don't know. Like, I, like this person was, was so wrong in the way they treated me, and they proclaimed Christ. Well, then, you know what? As a brother in Christ, you are commanded to go and be reconciled. If you know someone has something against you, Matthew, Jesus lays that one out for you. Go ahead and leave your offering at the altar for a second. Hold on. Pause. I'm not going to give you this offering. I'm going to go first, be reconciled, and then come and give this again. Like, how are you doing with quarreling in the church? Is, are you divided? Are you fighting? I, I will tell you this right now. I understand that there is no fight that's the same. Like, I get it. I get it. Every one of us have been in that exceptional fight, right? Where it's like, well, they did this, and they did this. And there's always a, a story that comes. And I'm not belittling this story that comes with people and their, and their struggles and their issues. But you know what's at the root of every one of those stories? Every single one of those stories. There's one of two people at the end of that story. There's a person 
that is humble enough to say, you know what, I don't care what they did. I want to be right before the scriptures and I want to be right for God, before God. And they walk in that. Or there's the other person. And unfortunately, I see the other person way too often. The person full of pride. Unwilling to do with what God has commanded you to do. To be, to be obedient to his word. To seek reconciliation. It's pride. You know, the scriptures tell us that God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. I want to be in a position of more grace than opposition from God. And every single person, every single conversation I've ever had of any single quarrel, any single struggle, there's always pride on both ends of it that's keeping us divided. Is that a work of God or a work of enemy? It's not, I'm telling you, it's not God that's dividing us. Because he says, Christ cannot be divided. Is Christ really divided? Really? Like, that's how silly those questions are, the Apostle Paul says. Like, really? This is where you're going to go? You're going you're gonna to fight about Apollos or me? We're, we're on the same team. This is silly. Why are, you, why are you letting yourself divide in this way? Because of pride. Because of our unwillingness to submit to Scripture. Because of our unwillingness, to, even, if we're, even if we're right in everything, to still be the first one to go and say, I cannot be divided against you because the scriptures say that I can't hate a brother and love the Lord. You're like, well, I don't hate him. I just don't want to see him. If you can't see him in public and open, open embrace to them, look, you don't have to be best friends forever. You don't have to hang out and do everything together. I think that's one of the beautiful things about the church right now is that we can have a lot of really brilliant followers of Jesus reaching many different people because we're all doing things very differently, but we're all preaching the same Christ. You don't have to do everything together, but if you can't stand them, like, you got to know right now that they are a brother or sister if they proclaim the name of Christ, and you are going to be singing for eternity with this person. Like, you are going to be standing right next to that person praising Jesus Christ, and I can guarantee in that moment you're not going to be like, so tell me, where were you on the isms, huh? No one's going to care about it at that point. It's going to be like, oh, this is Jesus Christ. I don't really care about what the ism belief was of this or that. Like, that was fun, and I enjoyed it, and I geeked out about it for a while. But man, sometimes I, I use that as a reason to divide. And like, Lord, forgive me for that. So how are you doing with everyone else? Is there quarreling among you? Would, would the Apostle Paul receive a letter from Chloe's people about Revolution 22 and go, oh my goodness, there's so much quarreling. There's so much division. What's going on? May there be no division among you. Apostle Paul goes on to talk about why it's so important for them to not to be divided. He, he clearly communicates the wisdom that they're trying to divide and all the, all the systems. He basically nullifies everything that they were doing to try and tell them like they were completely missing the point of Jesus Christ. And, and I, I think a lot of us need that. I think a lot of us need that. We just need to kind of be, we need to let ourselves kind of sit before this letter and be like, man, this is, this is a letter that Chloe's people sent about my heart and the Apostle Paul is going to just do this like, just inspired through the, the Spirit of God, going to speak into me. And some of you just need to start reading through this book over and over and over again. I, I can guarantee when we get to the sexually immoral section, many of us need to be reading through that, right? But even in this division stuff, like, I just need to, I need to hear the truth of God in this. Where have, I, where have I missed it? Where have I done it? And then maybe, just maybe, you speak differently on social media. I'm just going to throw that one out there, okay? Like, everyone wants to be an Acts 2 church. 
right? Everyone's like, oh, man, I would love to. Every pastor wants to be an Acts 2 church. A lot of people are like, I'm not sure I get excited about selling everything, right? Like, either way. But, like, every pastor says, I want to be a church where, like, thousands are just seeing the way that people are treating each other. And they're like, I want to be a part of that. Guys, the world is, I'm, a, I'm afraid, and I know it's not true, but I'm afraid we're almost too far gone in our divisiveness. By the way that we show ourselves in social media alone, good night let alone the way that we interact with each other in person. And I know Christ will continue to build his church despite our shortcomings, our mistakes, but could you just imagine for a moment, like this is just that, like let me geek out as a pastor for a moment. Like what if, what if everyone in this room was like relentless about seeking unity on our social media? That's it, just that. Think what that would change. And I'm not talking about dumbing down the message of Christ because I'm, I'm not talking about watering down that. Like I said, Eat my flesh, drink my blood will definitely divide. I get that, okay? I'm saying, what if we just actually, what if we just were people that were like, man, we're not going to divide anymore. I disagree with you, but I'm going to sit at this table until you and I can prayerfully leave excited about the glory of Jesus Christ through this subject. What if we were people that actually did that? And, and again, not for, for little Rev 22's name. I don't care about that name. It's the name of Christ we're proclaiming. But what would happen to your classmates, your family members, your friends, and your neighbors, if they saw a community of people that were relentless about being unified in Christ. If they saw people that were willing to disagree, but to do so in a loving way, and as submitted to the scripture way, and when they come to go, man, I, I think I may have missed this all up. I could be wrong. Like, had the humility to go, I might have seen this wrong. I might have let culture dictate my theology too much. Like, help me. And people weren't like, well, it's about time. Now let me show you what you did wrong. Instead, it was like, man, let's, let's walk. This is discipleship. Let's, 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 let's take you on this journey. Let's see, let's see your eyes opened up. I have kids, and it is fun and sometimes comical when they come across certain scriptures, right? Because it's that moment of like, whoa, like it said that? Like, yes, okay, let's talk about that a little bit. Like, here we go. So that's fun. Okay, so right, so some of those things. And then at the same point, like I love when they like, when I, when I tell my kids, I'm like, well, you know, the Bible says something about that. They're like, it does? And there's this excitement. Like, where? What does it show me? What does it say? Like, what if we hungered and thirst for righteousness in that way? And instead of like, wait a minute, what are you saying? I don't agree with you. Wait, you're speaking in the language I don't understand. I don't like it. Like, it's, that's, a, that's an ism I'm, I can't sign up with. That's a systematic theology that some brilliant person set up that's outside of Scripture, but it fills Scripture, which is great, but I want to divide over it. What if, what if we just felt ourselves like in love with Christ, in love with unity, and we no longer use it as an excuse to divide. We continue to point to sound doctrine because it's beautiful, and Christ pushes to sound doctrine. But we did so in a way that we were humble and submitted. What if every single person here, when I said you have a quarrel, something that you thought about, what if you actually went and sought reconciliation with those person? What if you actually went to that person and said, you know what, I'm not even sure if I offended you. I know in my heart, that I, what, I, what I thought was wrong, and the scriptures are very clear about my own heart, and so I need to ask for forgiveness of that. Like, what would that do to relationships? The band's going to come up, and we're going to sing some more. And I want to just real quickly, I want to speak to the fact that I know, I'm certain that there are people in here maybe that, that aren't sure what they believe. And they think about this, and they, like, they want to use this as a, like, oh, yeah, can't we just all get along kind of message, and, and let's just do that. And there's no, like, you're right, and I'm right, and we're right. Like, the, the scriptures are very cru- true. Like, there is a truth. There is the truth. It's, it's through Jesus Christ. But you've, you will maybe get excited about trying to be unified to everyone without 
the spirit of God inside of you, and I'll tell you right now, you'll be sorely disappointed. The only thing that keeps me unified to any of these people that are leading up here or any of you in there is the spirit of God. It's not, it's not my own doing. It's not my own work. It's, it's me being submitted to Jesus Christ as Lord of my life and him giving me his spirit to, to indwell in me. And that's what ties us together is the spirit of God. When we divide, what we're doing is we're dividing the spirit of God. We're, we're quarreling amongst that. And we're using, most of the time, again, I don't want to minimize it, but most of the time we're using prideful reasons to accept that. We're hiding behind something. We're hiding behind a, tholo- a theology of some sort or our understanding. We're just saying, I'm just going to divide. We're hiding behind a hurt maybe, whatever it may be. But either way, my, my encouragement would be that you won't find unity except through the Spirit of God. And my plea would be, can we be a church that truly is unified through the Spirit of God? Can we be a church that's not divided? Like, like when the Apostle Paul says, like, how, how is there divisions among you? Like, there's, is Christ divided? Like, there's no way. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus so that we can have a salvation that, that, that allows us to come to you, something that's a gift that we didn't do on our own. God, we thank you for um, your word. Forgive us for the ways in which as we study it, we continue to use it as um, a, a battering ram to just destroy other people. Um, God, forgive us for ways in which we've been lazy and not sought to understand your word. I'm sure there's plenty of people in the room here that are like, yeah, I don't need to understand this. We're all together. And, and they've They've used that as an excuse to not know you more. God, forgive us for that. God, for the individuals that are in here that continue to um, come around or spend time around the church and, and, and like the idea of the church but aren't employing their gifts, aren't submitted to your authority in it, God, would you please just um, help them to see through the pain maybe of their past, help them to see through the hurt, and help them to see that you, um, you will continue to build your church in spite of what um, your people have poorly done over, over, the, over the history of time. God, as we worship, I pray that we would worship as a people that aren't um, faking it, aren't pretending to go through the motions, but as a people that are truly surrendered to you. As we sing things like you are a good father and that you love us and that our identity is actually identified by your love for us, God, would we truly believe that? God, as we think about um, the ways in which you love us, God, may we be um, destroyed by just how loving you are in spite of our mistakes. And God, for those that need to have conversations, whether it's with other churches or other individuals, God, would you, would you guide that? Would you lead them to do that in a way that would honor you and that would bring about reconciliation? A way that when people that aren't a part of your church would see and go, wow, how can they treat each other that way so well when they disagree about something? How can they argue that way in such a beautiful way? And Father, would we be uh, more fixated on your name and your son, Jesus Christ, than any other political thing out there or any other cultural thing out there. God, let us just be so enamored with Jesus Christ that it is all we speak, it's all we say, and everything we do is through the lens of him. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit revolution22.org. We encourage you to not neglect meeting together as believers. And may you continue to love God and love others.